Ladies and gentlemen, we're shoveling. This is the growing season brought to you by News Talks like a 960 AM. I'm Matt McFarland, the son, the progeny of Jack and Lynn, who also joined me, but I call them Mum and Dad. Mum and Dad, how are you? Not too bad, Matthew. Yeah, not too bad at all. Fantastic. You know what, guys? One week I'd like you to say we're terrible. Because Okay, we're <laughs> you, terrible. Your <laughs> answers are predictable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What would you rather I say, Matthew? It's horrible. I don't like. I don't want to do this or something. Or it's what? true. Yeah. Or yeah. I have a sore toe. I have a sore toe. Yes. Yeah. You could do all of those things would work. Yeah. Okay. So this is the growing season again. Thank you for tuning in. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is, is the website. And this week we are actually going to get involved in a little bit of a series. Last week, for those that tuned in, thank you very much. If you haven't, no problem. Everything's on the website as far as podcasts. But. We are going to continue our weirdness. Last week, we had a show called Untreeleavable, where we talked about many of the trees that are almost too strange to be true. But in fact, they were true. And in honor of that, this week, we're going to be chatting about strange but true other stuff. Now, we're going to be getting into flowering shrubs and plants. We're also going to be getting into funguses and such. Now, what the criteria for this was is it's got to be super weird. Okay, so this is not going to be your typical, wow, that Solomon seal looks a little strange. This is going to be weirder than that, okay? Excessively, excessively weird. Mom, Dad, you guys dubbed this thing strange but true, correct? Yes, Matthew. Yeah. Now, this is not referring to me. Yes? No, 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 no. Wonderful. Wonderful. All that and much more, and uh, this is our winter programming. So I know that we're not dealing with on-the-job site stuff, but that's coming. Apparently, I heard it was 30 days till the first Blue Jays spring training game, and then right around the corner from that becomes spring. But on the other side, strange but true, plants, funguses, all the craziness, all the what? She's Lynn, he's Jack, I'm Matt, we're the McFarlands, and this is the growing season on News Talks, like a 960 AM. On the other side... Tim Burton-esque weird. And we're back. The growing season on News Talks, like a 9.60 a.m. Follow along with us. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Show Bits. That's the visual accompaniment to the show. And as I said so astutely last week, you're going to want to be using Show Bits for this because there are going to be many things that you have never heard of. Okay, things things like uh, you know dog vomit, dog vomit fungus or something or dog slime. Just this is <laughs> this is the level. These are the depths to which we have sunk. Guys, mom and dad, how are you? Apparently, you have been trail walking despite the fact that it has been cold as of late. Do you know what, Matthew? There was enough snow down. Okay, uh, that we could actually physically walk on it without being icy. Because what was it, a week or so ago, then we... Yeah, it was too icy. It was too icy and too dangerous, Matthew. Yeah. But uh, we walked it on Saturday, and it was there was just enough snow down. So it was actually quite nice. Actually, uh, it is nice to get up there in the winter. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting January. I, I attribute the busyness as far as landscape design on my end to the fact that this January has been more of, more like late November, maybe early December. People are still, in my opinion, they're still thinking somewhat garden-like. And if the numbers, uh, as far as the uh, podcast version of the growing season are any indication, my assumption is true because people are digesting this show and they're into gardening. Many of the Facebook gardening forums that we are a part of uh there is the amount of, the amount of new members is increasing rapidly because it's now you know we're getting into february coming up and it's now starting to feel more and more and more like spring is, is on the way and i keep saying to people don't don't even talk about that i have way too much to do i am knee deep in another landscape plan and, and, and like another plan of action as far as a uh a property, but actually, Dad, I was talking about about this with you off air. Uh, we have the opportunity on a property in the Oakville area, Lasha. If you're listening, thank you very much. To use some plants that we don't necessarily get to use that often because the conditions need to be right. We're going to we're going to be able to use rhododendrons and azaleas, which take an acidy type soil as well as a fairly shaded environment. Dad, how often do we see something like that? Not very often, right? No, it depends. Again, if it's an evergreen or a coniferous tree, right, Matthew? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but no, this is going to be wonderful. I can't wait, and we get to get a little bit frisky. I love that, where you have the opportunity to use things that you rarely get to use. Speaking of using things that you rarely get to use, all of these things (laughs) that we're going to chat about today, I have not even rarely ever used, I have never used, but... 
you guys want to jump on to a little bit of environmental adaptivity or av- adaptivity, adaptivity first, Adaptations? Right? There you go. That's a lot easier to say. Yeah. Environmental sure. adaptations. Sure. So, Matthew, why do plants, oh, not why, but how do plants grow in these various environments, even though it's so hostile? Well, I guess they would adapt. They would have to learn. Uh, the The first generation would die out. Maybe the second generation would go, okay, you know what? Let's do this and this and this, slightly adjust how we're growing. But remember, so if we're talking evolution, this is... This is a this is like a Stanley Kubrick film. This is not a, this is this is not a Michael Bay film. Stanley Kubrick. That's very every, slow. Yes, it's everything slow. slow. But yeah. Matthew, as far as the environment goes, it, it's a necessity for the plants to survive. It's as simple as that. So if you take a plant that normally would grow low and close to the ground, it would shield itself from wind and cold, and that's how come it can survive in extreme environments. That would include desert environments, which are during the day it's hot and at night it's cold. Right? That's bonkers. That's bonkers. I know, but, but Matthew, they also are able to, they have diversities in the sense that they can do things like store water. They can actually reflect the sun during the, the hottest times of the day. It, it's really, it's really cool, Matthew. Dad, but do you think, Dad, do you think that if we slow down the rate of climate change enough that it would give plant material time to adapt and maybe you would see interesting adaptations? Dad, I got a call from a client or a potential client who said to me, hey, any, uh, get just, just some advice on my backyard here. Uh, I have a tree and a this and a that. And uh, don't mind my neighbor's palm tree in the backyard. Oh, my. And this was in 6B. Well, yeah. I've seen them doing all sorts of things now, Matthew, and how they're keeping them alive in the winter. And uh, surprisingly enough, Matthew, they're starting to be able to adapt. But, yeah, 6B is down in Toronto. Remember we had talked with uh, Chris St. Clair, and we'd asked him about there are – Palm trees growing in, in Vancouver, in, DC, in yeah. Vancouver to be precise, yeah. yeah. And would we ever see them growing here? And he says, yes. And uh, you know what, Matthew? I don't think it's going to be that long in the future. I bet you maybe a couple, two, three decades kind of thing. Well, and again, it's, you know, all of the things now, like as we were talking about on this job in, in Oakville, uh, one of the plants that I'd love to use is a Japanese quince, Shinomalis japonica. There is the Latin alert. Hey, I'm the first to do the Latin alert this week. Look at this. Huh? Okay. And that they, they actually recommend that that's a 6A or 6B. Now, for our listeners just tuning in for the first time, thank you for joining us. And if you're wondering what the heck are these McFarlane's talking about 6A, 6B, we're just actually referring to zone hardiness. All that measures is the plants or the root system of the plant's materials ability to be able to take a certain uh, ratio of winter temperature or a certain spectrum of, win- of winter temperature. So we in Southern Ontario here are 5A, 5B, but my dad is actually... He's actually of the opinion that we are now in almost like a 5C. So we're, right? Not a 5B, not a 6A. Yeah, exactly. But I'm now more willing to be using things that I wouldn't have been using, say, 10 or 15 years ago. And that's all at once frightening as well as kind of exciting. Yeah, I agree with you, Matthew. But um, plants are all based on stimuli, okay? Light, gravity, water movement, sun. Even touch, Matthew. Now, Dad, so, plants and males have, have a lot in common because we are all based on stimuli as well. That's a big Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, Keith, even even word like xerophytic, Matthew, where they, they can live in an almost uh, completely dry environment and survive. But, Matt, here's a question for you. Do you know what the timberline is? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a model of truck. I believe it was Chevrolet put it out. Uh, okay, try, try in another reality. <laughs> what what the I think that's actually true. Okay. <laughs> another reality. Where's the Timberline? The Timberline is, uh, I, honestly, man, I have no idea. I, 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 I burnt myself out on it with the, with the truck joke. So I don't know. Go. Okay, the, the Timberline is basically where trees kind of stop growing to what would be considered a normal height and growth. Like, for instance, when you go up into the tundra, say in the Northwest Territories and the Yukon, you get lodgepole pines and alders and little tiny stunted willows that they're above the timberline. The season is too short and too cold and the soil is too shallow for them to grow what would be considered their normal Height and breadth. Is that right, Jack? That's very good. Okay, but so hold Matthew- on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why do they call it the timberline? Because that is the furthest distance at which trees will grow, okay? 
But so if it's timber, are you saying that there's no foliage up at that height? No trees at that height. Okay, so beyond that, that height, low there is plants, but ones that will take dry environment. You wouldn't find forest. No, at so that you, height. So at Matt, that. you would find up there. You would find things like maybe Abbey's balsamia, balsam fir. You might find. Um, Pinus contorta, which would be, what is that? Pot lodge poles. And you might even, in California, you would find things like uh, longava. So Pinus longava, bristol cones, Matt. Yeah. So the idea is that even your, oh, mom mentioned that some of the willows would grow yeah, there. But things like. more like your uh, your populous tremuloides. So your trembling aspens, Holy Matt. Holy, hey, by the way, uh, growingseasoncanada.com. Click on show bits because Jack McFarland is just oh, literally oh, yeah. oh, sorry. Oh my God. Now, Dad, you actually just recently, you just mentioned uh, bristlecone pine. For the, our audience that hasn't seen this, this is one ugly pine. It is. It is ugly. Like, there's no but, redeeming qualities on this thing. It's not Austrian pine. But you know pine, what, Matthew? What's really cool about it? What? Because the mutation of its pollen and its, uh, its actual, what else was it? Uh, seeds. Okay. Makes it basically totally unav- unable to die unless, uh, you know, death by chainsaw. What do you mean? It's a vampire? It can't die? Yeah. No, it has got mutations in its seeds and in the pollen that it uses, Matthew, that will basically extend its life to who knows how long. Okay, so uh, a note to Pfizer or Moderna in charge of creating vaccinations. You might want to mine the depths of this bristlecone pine and see exactly how they're doing this because I could take a little bit of that being injected into my veins, right? Okay, so Matty, altitude has a big bearing on it. So do you want to start at altitude first? Yes, and the nice part too is that if if, if you're there with a friend, you can call it paltitude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I guess. I guess. That is really awful, Matthew. I'm telling you, man. But one last thing before I move to altitude, Matt. Yeah. How long has plant materials been on Earth? 700 million years. Close enough. Okay. Okay. So... Are we related to plant materials in any way? Yes. Absolutely, 100% going way back, we are related to plant materials. Yep. But we are basically still today, we have approximately 80% of our DNA is related to what vegetable then? Potato. So if you what? somebody's a couch potato, you're not too far <laughs> off the mark. Are you serious? Potatoes? <laughs> yeah, couch potato. We are definitely related. When somebody calls you a couch potato, you can say, yes, and what's your point? of me is. <laughs> That's amazing. And again, to uh, us being of Irish descent, that, that makes it even funnier. Yeah. That's fantastic. But, but anyways, Matt, altitude. Certain plants are really defined by where they grow. So I'm, let's start at the uh, Malice Black Diamond. Okay? okay. Love it. All right. So this is one where... You've heard me banging the drum here about show bits. You're de- okay. Just click on the click on the blog now. Granted, if you're out driving on the road listening to this, please do not click on the blog. But you're definitely going to want to. When you get home, you're going to want to look at this because when mom and dad sent this to me, I literally could not. But this looks photoshopped, ladies and gentlemen. This is a black apple. It's black. Like the apple oh, is black. Purple. Like the, yeah, the darkest of purple. Speaking of that color, mom, do you remember? Had to be nineteen ninety. You took us down to exhibition. Oh, you're talking about the Batmobile. That was nineteen eighty nine. Okay, so for our audience that doesn't know, or for our audience that is too young to know, in nineteen eighty nine, Tim Burton's Batman film came out. And if you are a fan of modern day comic book films, you have a debt of gratitude to be paid to Mr. Tim Burton because that's the modern-day superhero movie that basically kicked off everything, okay? I'm Batman. And in there, there's the iconic Batmobile. You've seen this thing. It's got a, a turbine jet engine in it, and uh, it was a, it looked like a cross between a, it was a Corvette or something in there. It's, it's wild-looking stuff, okay? So at that year, because of the popularity of Tim Burton's film, the Batmobile was doing a... a a, a tour of various cities throughout North America and the one city that it ended up at was is in Toronto during the time of the CNE and we went down and saw the Batmobile I was a huge fan and, and still am a huge fan of Batman as far as I'm concerned it's, it's, he's the best superhero out there but I was surprised and mom I remember and I will never forget this I was surprised to see that the Batmobile was dark green 
Yeah, it was it was might have been black, but there was a bit of green fleck through it. Yeah, like when you saw it, it when you saw it reflecting the light, that paint reflected green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very interesting. Very, and so very this, as Dad says, this is a a, 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 a like it's a purple, so purple. Dad, you know what it reminds me of? Eggplant. I agree, Matthew. Right. But Matt, for the most part, okay, this particular apple grows at 3,100 meters above sea level. Holy jeez. And what's intriguing about it, Matthew, is everything about this tree growing there, you know, has to do with, say, temperature, uh, the day and night, this, uh, things like how it sets its fruit, the amount of sunlight it gets, the ultraviolet area that it lives in, even the skin characteristics, Matthew on this particular apple have to do are based are getting this color because of the the location or the environment in which it lives Matt okay it's so in Tibet. now okay so there okay so first of all if it's in Tibet and if it is growing at that sea level I'm assuming this thing needs to be uh, two things first it should be it's tolerant of cold but it would also be long chill because it's got to be used to that cold environment. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It, they're, they're probably in the neighborhood of, say, 700 to 1,000 hours, that kind of idea, Matt. Jeez. And, and the interesting thing about long, chill apples, and that's why this environment is good for it, is that they will spend, say, hotter summers. And if you think about Tibet and so forth, they'll get a lot of, say, they won't get a boiling hot summer, but they'll get a lot of sunlight, okay? And that's why ultraviolet comes into play. But, Matt, what's really cool is, for the most part, again, I said most part too many times, but the color of the apple skin basically will tell you what the flavor is going to be like within the apple itself. So, so this, you is gonna, a, this is going to taste like dark chocolate rather than milk chocolate? No, no, not exactly. <laughs> the, <laughs> no. Okay. But Matt, if you would think about it, say a yellow or a green apple, they could either be sweet or sour. Yeah. But if you think about this particular apple, because it is basically dark purple or almost black, it's always going to be sweet. It's a sweet apple. Okay, but the black would mean to me. The black it's means it's <laughs> it's rotten. It's time to throw it. It's it's organic bin Tuesdays type thing. And it's not rotten, and it's a very expensive apple. Like you're talking seven dollars for one apple. What? Yeah, seven bucks? Expensive. Yeah, for one apple, it's considered gourmet. Now, can we get these things here? I would imagine you could pre-order them, something like yeah. that. I think I think I, I read that you could buy them off of Amazon. I believe for, for a black diamond apple. Sure. Yeah, and you know what the closest relative to this black diamond apple is, Matthew? The eggplant. No. The Batmobile. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, you don't read my notes, do you, Matthew? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> no. But this makes it funny, right? No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The Chinese red. Wow. Delicious. Red Delicious. You got that, Matt? Okay. Yeah. You know what? Okay. Red Delicious is one of the worst apples out there, by the way. I actually don't like it. I no, don't even like the hard skin on it. Not but I guess it needs that, that, that heavy skin in order to, for it to tolerate the temperatures and so forth up in the Tibetan area, right? Okay, so now, listen, whilst we are on the topic of heavy skin, of crispy skin, I made potatoes earlier in the week, okay? And have you ever been to a restaurant and you get those potatoes where... They're super crispy on the outside, but really, really fluffy and light on the inside. Yeah, sure. What's the secret? Uh, I don't know. So you boil the potatoes in water for like seven minutes prior to putting them in the oven. But it's what you boil them in. It's baking soda. In the water. You put baking soda in the water and it makes the water. Wait for it, Pops alkaline and what that what that alkalinity does is it basically it the outer layer of the potato the one that's in the first contact with the water that starch stuff it begins to break the stouchy the the stouchy the starchy outer (laughs) layer of the potato yeah i know yes yes don't be so stouchy so matthew where does the alkaline come from the baking soda no not just that think about where what is our tap water? Oh, tap, I guess the tap water is alkaline. 
it's alkaline as well. So they're just giving it a double whammy. Well, but, but, but many, the tap water would not be alkaline enough to break it down because like we've boiled no. potatoes before and it doesn't do it like that. No, I would, I would agree with that completely. Yeah. But Matt, this, the, the thing about this black diamond apple is, like I said, you know, you mentioned about all the things about having the, the need for you know, a high chill period and so forth. Yeah. But, Matt, you know, it's not something that we would see around here. I don't think I've ever seen one personally myself. But, Matt, another thing that will take anywhere from, say, 100, 110 meters above sea level to, say, 4,300 meters is what, Lenny? You know what? You've got me there. The orchid. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Okay, so let's hit the one orchid, Matt. I'm sure you've been chawing at the bit for it. Okay, we are going to get into an entire show about orchids, okay? And Orchidaceae, Dad, is that the second biggest family after, yes, um, after Asteraceae, right? So sure. we are going to get into the orchid stuff, the orchid family. And again, not just hitting on orchids because there's a, there's a, there's a whole host of things that are part of the Orchidaceae family that... Uh, that are not necessarily orchid-like. But, Matty, Mom's going to hit the, the one that you chose, the yeah. sinister flower, if you don't mind. Okay, go for it, Mom. Yeah, that's the Darth Vader look-alike. Yes. Yeah, this yeah, is, again, growingseasoncanada.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not even going to believe this. It's wild-looking. This thing is so weird, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, it likes the humid metals and soggy floodplains of Brazil. Okay. And it, it actually, when you look at it, it really does look like Darth Vader. It's kind of a dark purple. It's got black veins going through it, and it has like the two eyes like Darth Vader. Now, what these eyes do, they're actually openings in the plant, and it attracts insects, and they crawl into the eyes. And while they're crawling into the eyes, they pick up pollen. Now, this plant doesn't eat them, but the Insects come back out, fly away, and pollinate more of them, okay? Make more little uh, sinister flowers or Darth Vader's plants. This yeah, is... they're really uh, um, cool, but now they have a smell of rotting flesh. Oh, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, yeah. Attacks, uh, it attracts insect pollinators, so I'm thinking flies and stuff like that, because flies like the smell of rotting flesh. Okay, so, so this so, thing... Manny, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, if... Okay, the sinister flower is basically just the lady slipper, okay? Yeah. So what would, uh, what would it be considered? Is it an epiphyte by any okay. I'm just I'm looking at the notes here, guys, and I'm literally trying to say this. Okay, it belongs to the Aristolochaceae, Aristolochaceae family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Salvador. It includes yeah. pipe vines, birth warts. That's a nice name. Yeah. Pipe vines wow. and birth warts. Uh, pipe vines, so, birth warts might come from pipe vines, but, uh, <laughs> and Dutchman's pipe. Yes. Now, this plant lives up to its name, though, because all parts of the plant are poisonous. Oh, good. If you eat it. And even touching the plant, it will irritate your skin. So, and it's kind of like uh, Darth Vader. It's a nasty. Yeah. So, so Maddie, orchids for the most part. I, I told you were epiphytes, which grow up into trees, and they don't actually harm any of the trees for the most part because they, they, it's not what they do. They, they, they want to put their seeds and so forth so that they will grow the next generation. But Matt, what do you... Okay, so they're tubers, actually. Yes. So they're actually... Tubers. Two, tubers. So they're two oval tubers growing. So in, in Greek, what does it mean, Lynn? Testicles. Orchid means testicles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just the way it is, Matthew. <laughs> Elizabeth Strong, if you're listening, I'm sorry. That was not and necessary. So, Matt, wait a minute. Yeah. so, Matt, what do you call a baby orchid? Uh, not on your notes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, a testicle. A te- a testicleette? Nope, Mom. Nope. A kiki. Get the heck out of here. A I know. Kiki? I, Dad looked it up. A kiki. Yeah, a baby orchid. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. K-I-K-I? I guess so. Remember K-E- Aaron? K-E-K-I. Erin oh, had a kitten that she named Kiki. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a Kiki. Yeah, yes. a Kiki. Okay. That's great. That's, wow. Good. There's information that is completely useless. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. So, so, Maddie, what do you want to do? Do you want to move on to fungus, or do you want to move on to, say, some of the weird things? Like, do you want to move on to, say, like, Venus flytrap? Or you go ahead. You, you, go, you call the direction. 
Oh, you know, okay, so we should, we have about a minute, 20 seconds before we have to jump. So, I, yeah, let's get into some Venus flytrap here. But what we'll do is maybe we'll, mom, we'll do a little bit of the history or wherever it came from. And then we'll get into the real vicious, horrific stuff on the other side. Yes? Okay. Go for it, mom. Okay, the Venus flytrap is our meat-eating plant. And yep. no, it will not eat your finger if you put it in one of the traps. <laughs> okay, and it's a very interesting plant, but it's very picky about where it grows. It only grows in bogs 120 kilometers around Wilmington, North Carolina. What? That's it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. it may, it may show up in South Carolina, too. But it's very, very picky about where. It okay, goes. but wait, but hold on a second. Like, but this is not a this is not a tropical. Like, this is not you're not getting this no, in Mexico no, or in Brazil. No, that's well. I mean, their climate's obviously a more moderate than us. I don't even know though if I'd call it subtropical. It would be definitely temperate. Yeah, but it's very picky and it's endangered because development is encroaching on its habitat. Right, and as well too, I would imagine that like this is something that people get. This is a bit of a novelty. Like to, oh yeah, but cool. Uh, like, yeah, cool. Okay, so let's, let's. Wait a minute. Okay, you want to get on the other side? Yeah, let's actually push pause right there because we're going to get into some of the real. You've you've heard of the Venus flytrap. Let's get into some of the real ins and outs of this thing because it's kind of cool. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. This is the growing season on News Talks, like a nine sixty a.m. On the other side, a little shop of horrors. Growing season on News Talks, like a 9.60 a.m. Follow along with us. Showbits is the place to go. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Showbits. It will give you the visual accompaniment to the show, and good God, you're going to need it. And that sound that you hear in the background is the sound of a fly that is about to get its face bit off by a Venus flytrap that apparently we now know is quite high maintenance as far as real estate and geography. I will only grow here and I only like North Carolinian flies. Otherwise, yes. I, just, I, just, I just won't eat. It likes to be in bogs too because I would imagine that's where insects, there's a lot of insects, especially mosquitoes and gnats, which they like to eat. Now, they're picky about eating too. They want their prey live. Okay, so the prey <laughs> flies into I'm not the, kidding you, Matthew. They fly into the trap, and they've got these touch receptor hairs, and the prey touches the touch receptor hairs, and then the trap snaps shut. It takes, um, it takes I don't know, the, it takes about 15 minutes for the insect to die. Okay, now, hold on, hold on. Wait, whoa, 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 back. Hold on a second here. So touch receptors, mm-hmm. trap shut. Then what happens? My assumption is that you're dealing with some sort of digestive acids or enzymes yeah. or something that begins to break yeah. the insect down. Breaks down the insect, and they're not good at breaking down ants. So just think about this for a minute, Matt. It has like an enzyme within when it closes up that is very similar to the digestive system in our stomachs. Just okay. Think of that one. For so a this is like Boba Fett falling into the Sarlacc pit in in yeah. Return of the Jedi. Yes. Now, if you have. A Venus flytrap as a as a plant as a pet. You cannot feed it hamburger. It does not digest cow. You have to buy frozen mealworms or frozen. Um, what's the other thing they gnats, gnats and stuff like that. And when you go to feed your Venus flytrap, when you go to put the dead insect in the trap, you have to move it around a bit so that the Venus flytrap so it touches the touch receptors and so the trap will close shut. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. Plant. Wait a minute. Hold on a second here. There's, there's like a special way that you have to feed it? Yes. Absolutely, Matthew. And the thing, Matt, takes think about this. Because you are physically feeding it something that it eats, okay, it does not require fertilizing. It just does not require any. And... Matt, it can survive in full sun, even fluorescent lights or anything. It's very, it's very tough that way. But if it's not fed enough, what happens, Lenny? If it's not fed enough, those big trap lobes at the end of the leaves, 
they turn red. How They're, often? How often do you have to feed your tra- your Venus flytrap? Once a month. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool, Matt. And the thing is, if you can keep this thing healthy and you're feeding it properly and so forth, the Venus flytrap can live 20 years. Okay, I want one of these things. Yeah, I do too. That's really cool. So here's a big question before we move off of Venus flytraps, Matt. All right. Do Venus flytraps poop? Do they poop? Well, okay, firstly, do they have a stomach? Well, it's the same idea as our stomach. So do they poop? Yes. Kind of, kind of yes, kind of no. Of course, of course, they leave some kind of so- yes, no, yes. I know, Matthew, I'm sorry. But they leave some sort of matter behind from their prey, but it's really nothing to, you know, it's not like what you would think of, okay? But it's just a cool fact that they keep saying that they, you know, what, what they eat and how they eat and, and so forth, and even everything from, from the amount of time it takes for, you know, for those little lobes to fall off, okay, and re- new ones are reproduced. So it's, it's cool, Matthew. It's one of those ones out there that are very similar to something called the Drosera. Are you familiar with that or Sundews, Matt? Now, now, wait a minute, though. Here, just a, a, a quick question here. Like, so let's say my, my Venus flytrap here is becoming too big for its pot, okay? Do I, am I afraid to, am I afraid to pull this thing out of its pot and repot it in a larger pot for fear of this thing trying to bite me like is it you know? no 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 you know what Matthew and they almost never be never need to be repotted they don't have a huge root system not here not in a pot anyways but in the environment even then Matt they don't have a huge root system so they that though they say that they're one of these things that are even though they're in a very limited area they actually are pretty darn tough in and the end, but it's Dad, mostly us. What size can these things, like, can it get big enough that it's going to ingest, like, a rat? No. Okay. no Nothing no. bigger than an insect, okay? Yeah, no. And they just said under, any, under no circumstance to ever feed it hamburger, okay? So some people will take and give it a little bit of beef, and by no. the way, can't digest it. But, Maddie, can we move to flypaper plants for a second, sundews? Absolutely. <laughs> some do, some don't, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> No? Wait, 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 wait. So, one more last question, Matthew. So, the male. Okay, so they do they reproduce uh, asexually or sexually? What are you talking about? Venus flytraps. Asexually or sexually? You know, I I would really hope that it would be asexually because I would want nothing to do if it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know how in nature the female bites the head off of the male. Yeah, let, uh, I'll go with asexually. Thank you. Okay, so uh, both. Okay, so oh. it's actually sexually seed. Or it can also do vegetative, so asexually, okay? Okay. So, Matt, if the female is called a Venus flytrap, what do you call the male? Um, Mr. Mr. Flytrap. Mr. Mom? Penis flytrap. <laughs> what is... Okay. Not really. <laughs> They're both Venus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Listen. <laughs> you guys, you you guys might need to just shut the phones down, <laughs> shut the whole thing down, because that was the most that was the most fantastic setup, and like I did not see that coming at all. Oh, he's it was, been planning that for the last day. <laughs> it was so well done. That that is your shining moment right there. You will oh, never okay. do better than that. That is unbelievable. I could have gone either way. <laughs> oh, anyways, Matty. Because oh, guys, you, I'm sorry, that, you didn't want to do it to you. No, no, but no. Now we got to move along here. I have a feeling time is just going out the door very quickly. But you got you you had me there. Like I, I was, know. I, I was know. thinking we have to catch you from time to time. You're such a clever sort, so well, we have to. Okay, all right. So the sun do, and then the daughter the also do as well. They're known as fly paper plants, and uh, they also have these sticky hairs on their leaves and so forth, Matt, that yeah. they can c- collect insects. And so they're another, they're, they are very into being able to be touched because they, they're tactile Jeez. because they want to collect insects that they can eat, okay? Okay, yeah. There's all kinds of jokes here. It's just... Another killer okay, plant. Okay, another one. Yeah, yeah. Another <laughs> killer plant. Yeah. So, Matt, you know, it, the touch receptors are really important in this case because then they can tell when an insect and so forth is trapped within the, 
the act they have like a sticky bush portion or hairs that in order they can collect the insect. And I think same thing goes again, Matt. It takes about 15 minutes for it to kill the insect, and it may digest it over a few weeks. That so, kind of so, idea. So, th- so this insect, this insect's got time to consider its plight. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Can you imagine being trapped inside a? Uh, uh, the the lobe of a Venus flytrap. Well, I mean, I would, I would, listen. Yeah, I would yeah. much rather be be. I would be a lot more excited to be trapped inside a Venus flytrap than a <laughs> flytrap. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, <laughs> jeez. Uh, Goodness Maddie, gracious! The thing is about them. There again, they're also threatened by you know uh, their their um, environment is being taken over, so they're having hard time as well. And Matt, the, they take full sun or part sun, and they require about six hours of direct sunlight for them to function properly. Okay, now, but Dad, and, is this thing here like is this like is this as as specific? So like it it, it only grows in the southern region region of Gwinnett County, sorry, Gwinnett County, Alabama, or is it? No, is it, no not at all, Matthew. Okay. Mom, this guy grows in um, Australia. Oh, like all over? Yeah, he's an Aussie. Okay, okay, and, and that they, makes more they sense. Live in place Sorry, Matt. They live in places like bogs and fens and sandy, say sandy, uh, acidic soil areas. Okay, and they like it. Yeah, they like it acidic. Huh? Do you wow. know what a fan is? A what? A fan. A fan. Yeah, I have one in my kitchen, one in my living room. Uh, <laughs> no, oh. fens. F e n s. What is it? Um, it's a friend without an R and a D. F E N S. I know, I got it, man. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> give me something. Any idea at all? No. Now that's all it is. Is basically a peat area in which they live. So, in other words, more acid. More acid. Yep. Right on, Jimi Hendrix. Okay, Maddie, you can choose. Where do you want to go? Uh, all right, here's one to me. Okay, because we're we're getting into a whole lot of. There's a whole lot of. Well, there's a lot of <laughs> carnivorous cannibalism happening here, but okay. What about something like a lithop? Okay, and sure. this, this one's interesting because it looks a little rude. That's the first thing. But uh, this is, they call this living rocks. Yes? Sure. They, you know what they do, Matthew? They do something called mimicry. You know what that is? Yeah, it's when you basically look like something else. It's like a chameleon can mimic its, its uh, background color, like its, its surroundings as far as color. Basically, Matthew, they can do. They can either do a physical change or a chemical change in order to fit into the environment in which they're living. So they can make other. They can. They can actually take on traits that are similar to other plants around them, and that's what's so cool. But Matt, because they're called living rocks, they they are. They actually live in an environment that is on the rocky side, and they they call them like what is it? Like a cloven hoof idea, right? Yeah, 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 yeah they yeah. look like little stones. Yeah, and it does. It looks like a cloven hoof of a cow or any of those, any of those, even a pig, right? It, it has that cloven hoof look. A- absolutely. You should put a horseshoe on it, <laughs> right? Sure, and Matt, if you want them to, if you wanted to give somebody something really super easy to, to uh, take care of as far as an indoor planning your gar- and for, for your home, and especially in the wintertime, lithops is the answer, man. Yeah, now granted, it doesn't, does it, does it bloom all that much? Doesn't... The blue, you know what, Matthew? It's really kind of cool. Uh, it because it's so small, okay. It actually has basically it'll have two leaves that will come up from the ground, and that way it can practice photosynthesis. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. without that, they don't have enough energy that they can actually get into having reproduction. Okay, but when they do pro- uh, have reproduction or do ha- okay, have sex, whatever, yep. Matt, they they will have a, a yellow flower on it, very similar to say a small aster. Okay. Cool. But they're really on the cool side. Matt, they're not toxic to your pets or yourself or anything like that. And I think that um, places like, uh, what is it, Africa? They're out of Africa. They're out of South Africa where it's quite dry. That's why they mimic stones. They're not toxic. In fact, uh, they said that African children, their succulents, would pick them up if they're thirsty and and eat one because it's full of water. Wow. But okay. They're also supposed to be bitter as hell. Are they? Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe these kids like bitter stuff. <laughs> GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. Click on Show Bits. That's the visual accompaniment to the show. While we're on the Africa area, parrot impatience. Now, we use impatience here, Dad, and 
just by looking at the name of this, this is a member of the patient's family. So you're not like you're like, you know how we have like a Douglas fir, which is not even really a fir, right? I look at something like this parrot and patient thing and, and thinking, okay, this is not even a member of the impatience family, but it is. Yes. Oh, Matt, it's absolutely a member of the impatient family. So we would, we would be using something like if we were using for, for our annuals gardens, yep. we would be using the, probably the, uh, the super elfins or the elfins, which are the shorties, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Basically, the, the parrot and patient is very similar to, say, your, oh, your fuchsia. Uh, sorry, not fuchsia. Um, oh, yellow fusion. Yellow fusion. Fusion yellow. You. Okay. Yeah. So it's very similar to that. But, Dad, but, Matt, but Dad, would it be the same size as, speaking of fuchsia, would it be the same size as one of your annual fuchsias? No. It's more like uh, they will actually be in height somewhere in the neighborhood of, say, two to four feet. What? So over a meter in height. So, Matt, you would have to have a place to put them in order for them to grow well. So we would be, like, we would be using, like I said, sun, sun fusion, or sun, sorry, sun patient varieties, which would be the taller varieties, which are actually, what are they, related to the New Guinea, right? Yes. Yep. So, Matt, you know, again, shade, they grow in. So they, grow, they actually have them growing. Where, where are they out of, Lynn? They're out of tropical Africa. And they like to plant them. Uh, they like to be planted in the shade. Are they kind of like an understory plant? Yes, definitely an understory plant. But these things are really cool looking. Audience, you're probably watching right now. You're you're looking at the picture of this. Bonkers looking. Bright red, orange, and yellow. They have these beak-like blooms. They're also called the Congo cockatoo. Okay, and this is this is why I bring this one up. This is Dad. This is one where. You know, if you could ever get your hands on this, this would be super cool to be including as part of annual beds because just absolutely strange looking, completely strange looking. But you know what, Matt? I tried to track it down. Every time, every site I went to, sold out, sold out. So the seeds are very hard to come by. But Matt, you know yourself, it's very hard to get a yellow or an orange color in a shady environment. Yep. So if you could get something like this fusion glow or you could get into this cockatoo, is uh, parrot impatient, then I think that that would be a cool way to incorporate some other colors in shady environments, yes? All right, Dad. The perennial that we use the most for yellow in a shaded area is? Us, personally? Yes. Okay, uh, Herman's Pride would we would be using. Yeah, but let's so, get off the ground cover. Okay, so are oh, you talking tree? No. Nope. Oh, perennial. Per- perennial. Oh, what, carrier? No, nope. well, that's a shrub, right? Yeah, so what were you asking? You're the, asking for a shady location, yellow perennial. Yep. Oh, my. Two birds, begonia? That's well, a perennial. That, perennial. Perennial. Four o'clocks, but they need full sun. Nope. Ligularia. Oh. I wouldn't call that more orange. Yeah, you're right, but yes. Yep. Wonderful. Dad, every time we have that on a site, don't we always remark, why aren't more people using this thing? Well, they're not as durable as, say, your your sedum spectabile or your sedum spectabilis autumn joy, Matt. Yep. But they're they're up right up there with them, right? And again, to get yellow in the shade, this is speaking of Lasha's property in Oakville. Her property is partial shade at best, and she asked for some yellow in areas, and I said that's no problem at all. Caria japonica, we get some puffballs, some some little yellow puffballs in there, and then I said Ligularia dentata. And she's like, really? You can get yellow in the shade? I said, absolutely. Now, again, Herman's Pride is also gorgeous, right? I, I absolutely love it as, as well. But that, gets, but that gets to be a little bit invasive, yes? Sure. Yeah. And, and Matthew, uh, the, I think, do you actually know the, physically know the common name for impatience? Like the actual name that they give them? Not the, not the Latin name. Everybody keeps calling them impatience. Do you know the actual physical name for it? No. I've always called them impatience. Jewelweed. Jewel. Weed? Not like the weed in the out you would have out there growing next to the poison ivy plant, but it's called jewel weed. Cool. So, so impatience it is. <laughs> it is. It's a better name, <laughs> by the way, Matthew. Way better than jewel weed. All right. Sure. Okay. So um, I have something on my notes here. Uh. Okay, so again, if the kids are around, you might want to send them out of the room here. Okay, we're not talking about fishing. This is called hooker's lips. <laughs> Hooker's sure. lips. What's, what's, 
Okay, explain. If you guys giving me notes for the wrong show? <laughs> no, no, Matthew. I think it's the Latin is Faisacitia uh, Ilata or something, yeah. Matt. Yeah. But, you know, you can call it some other name that's not. You can not, call it so Hot Lips You plant. can call it Hot Lips Plant if you like. Okay, now, according to your notes, this is actually, I think it's Psychotria Ilata. Is that what you said? Yeah, yes, Psychotria. Psychotria, yeah. Psychotria. Yeah. It's a special attribute. It's got a separate... Yeah, Matt, you, you, know what it's, you know what it has a, it's very similar to one of our friends, Haliantis. I was going to say, do you have a friend that <laughs> works in the adult... Anyway. No, right. no Matt, right. what does Haliantis have for the actual <laughs> part? Just, the, okay, the blooms are above and below it, it has what? Oh, is this, uh, it's got the, the, the male up top and the female down below? Nope. It's a bract. Oh, really? This is a bract? It's a bract. Okay. But yep. this is also the one, the part of the reason why this is such a cool one is this, <laughs> this can, this contains a psychedelic drug. Yeah. Yes? Yes. Yeah, he can take a trip on this plant. It's like LSD, <laughs> is it not, Matt? I well, believe. Yeah, it's it basically it can it contains oh boy, here we go. Dimethyl uh, tryptamine. I can't even remember how Dimethyl tryptamine is a psychedelic. It's also yep. used in traditional medicine among the Amazonian people to treat aches, arthritis, infertility, and potency. Right? Like so if you're living in that part of Africa, you're like, Man, I really, really hope I get some arthritis so I can be prescribed <laughs> some of this plant, man. <laughs> No, Matt. Wow. But you know what, Matthew? It's basically impossible to get this, the uh, the plant or the seeds in the States or in Canada. So if you wanted to try to order this thing, it would be very difficult. But it's it's very big around Valentine's Day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in Costa Rica and the Amazon area and that, yeah. Yeah, it's a it, it's a it's a plant that uh, you would give to people on Valentine's Day because the the bracts look like lips and they're a bright red color. They attract uh, hummingbirds. That's oh. their pollinators. And yeah. so hummingbirds and butterflies. As is a common theme here with many of the the plants that we're chatting about, is that this is also severely threatened due to habitat destruction and development. That's right. Yeah. That's a shame, yeah. Matthew. I mean, I've, I have never actually physically actually even seen one of these things. I wouldn't mind. I know I've seen pictures and then you look at them and you think, my, my God, they do look like a set of lips. But yeah. anyways, Matt, can we, do we have time to move on to, uh, say, fungus for a minute? Yeah, we do. We have, we have basically three minutes and 30 seconds. Okay, let's hit fungus. Okay, absolutely. Now, we had at one point, we had talked about fungus and then there was some discussion of, oh, come on, we... Can't make fungus interesting. It's fungus. Uh, yeah, we were wrong. We were completely incorrect, guys. Are we getting involved in some dentistry here first, or what are we getting involved in? Well, first of all, Matt, let's try this at the beginning. What does fungus do for the environment? What is it doing, say, in our forests and so forth? Um. Well, isn't this a, this is helping to break down uh, rotting matter? Yes. Yeah, but what it basically does. Think of it this way, Matt. The fungus gets, say, carbon dioxide from the host, and the host in return gets better nutrient absorption as the mushroom converts things like amino acids and minerals into usable forms. So it's very important, Matt, to, to the forest. What do okay. you think of that? It's wild. Okay. I know that you want to get into the dog okay, which slime. Which one do you want? want the, no, uh, but the bloody tooth fungus. This is bonkers. This looks, looks like cheesecake. This looks like cheesecake. Does, actually. Do you know what the actual... Reddish material that you see on that photograph, Matthew, is actually. Are they mushrooms? You don't know. What is the red material that you're actually seeing on the, the tooth fungus, for instance? I, uh, I don't know. You know what, Matt? It's just basically sap. Okay, so what happens is uh, if there's been a lot of rain and so forth, what will happen is this, this will build up and it will actually excrete it through its pores, okay? <laughs> it's, uh, you know what to tell you the truth, guys, honestly. It's actually, this is beautiful looking. It's it really is. pretty. It's, it looks like a strawberry uh, cheesecake. It does. It has a cheesecake look. Dad, you posted this on one of the gardening forums on Facebook. And I, I looked at it and I said, where are you hiding the dessert? What is this? And he said, no, that's a, that's a fungus. I know that. <laughs> and what's interesting about fungus is they, they, uh, they contain things like that are, um, in them that are similar to heparin. And in my case, Matthew, because I need anticoagulants because I have a blood clotting disorder. Yep. You could actually, in a pinch, I guess you could use it. 
But yeah. Matt, it also has all these antibacterial properties and so forth. But Matt, can we do we have a time just to hit the dog vomit <laughs> mold for a minute? You have forty five seconds. Okay. So the dog vomit mold or whatever else scrambled, slime mold. What's that? Slime mold. Slime mold or they also call it scrambled egg fungus, whatever oh. you can think of. It, 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 oh. Oh. <laughs> and it's actually eaten in parts of Mem- okay. Mexico. They call it Good. caca de luna. Yeah, it's definitely caca, you're right. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. But Matt, it's there's so many things out there that are growing that you really just don't know enough to appreciate. And then, by the way, without these things going on in in the environment, we would be absolutely and totally uh, screwed. Okay. <laughs> cool. Cool. That is a wonderful place to press pause. All right. As usual, the cop not only runneth over, it runneth down the driveway. There's so much of if. Mom, quick. <laughs> go, go, go. A cannonball tree. It's a beautiful tree. It grows to 100 feet tall. It uh, grows in the tropical areas of South America and other tropical areas in Malaysia and that. Now, the interesting thing about this tree is that it gets these beautiful, gorgeous big blooms on its trunk. And these blooms create this big brown fruit ball shape that when it falls, it <laughs> makes it sound like a cannonball going off. But <laughs> that's, the, that's not the bad part. The bad part is when that fruit splits open, it has a smell that has been described as smelling like a two-ton, three-day-old dead possum has passed gas, causing a tequila-saturated hobo to projectile vomit into an adjacent dumpster filled with rotting cheese and mayonnaise. This was the description we were giving us. Needless to say, this fruit is inedible. Wow. Okay. That's, uh, that's, okay. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Show Bits because you're going to get to see the cannonball plant. Now, I'm not going to be giving you any pictures of dumpsters or possums or whatever, but holy jeez. Also, to, a bloated possum. A bloated one, yes, <laughs> exactly. And uh, that's the uh, GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website for all things growing season, consults, installs, designs. I am doing a pile of landscape designs right now. I cannot believe it. Now, we always end the show in a very, very similar way. And this week, we're going to end it with a joke that goes something like this guys i took my final exam on magic mushrooms passed with flying colors (laughs) (laughs) congratulations congratulations (laughs) some psilocybin mom till next time have a good one and please be safe jack out If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs. 